We humans, generally speaking, can appreciate constructive criticism from the right source, right? It comes in a tactful tone and gets presented with logic, evidence, functionality, and a nice shiny red bow. Well, although convenient as hell, it turns out the value of criticism has less to do with the content and the source, and more to do with how we interpret the information. We know the feeling of getting flattened by bullies and enlightened by a wise mentor. This happens even if they give us the same basic information. Both sources can provide value if, instead of getting hurt, we got data. Roll the intro! Hello! And welcome to... Today's episode of Coffee with Cassie. I totally took my slurp at the wrong time. Their next one makes up for it. I am here today with my Coke Zero flavored coffee substitute. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy, and uh, my boy Mark behind me right here. My boy Mark behind me right here. He uh, he called me up the other day and he was like, do, 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 do. Yo, Dr. K, we should talk about this criticism stuff. We should rap about it. And I was like, yo, that's right. That's good enough for me. Boop. And so, for that reason, today, prop number two, we are taking a closer look. We are breaking down Dr. Cashy's fix of giving and receiving criticism and the implications of both. Specifically, with the added benefit of interrupting versus suppressing or ignoring the harshest critic of them all, the inner critic. The inner critic. So the, the title originally for this was, was, was extra, I think, as the kids say. It was going to be like... Dr. Cashy teaches self-defense, how to take a punch in the feels, especially if you're the one that did it, and still be chill with yourself, even if you're an approval junkie, thin-skinned, or heavily armored with a thick candy coating, but a soft and gooey inside. <gasps> but Mrs. Cashy said that was outrageous, and so in my infinite rebelliousness, I'm saying it here. Behold, Dr. Cashy's outrage. <laughs> Nevertheless, here is an introduction to the problem that needs solving. Criticism is going to happen. It is happening. It will happen. If you love it, hate it, reject it, ignore it, embrace it, or respect it, criticism is like a hot knife. With the right armor, though, or ninja moves, your defense is impregnable. But you remain the same. When you're naked and exposed, it carves you up or dismembers you. You change, surely, but maybe for, maybe for the worse for wear. <laughs> uh, but then... But then, Dr. Cashy realizes, we are asking the wrong question. Why is there a knife and who is holding it? Well, we can address the who right now. The why is coming in due time, because you're the one holding the knife. You're the one holding the knife. Let us explore together, all right? On any given day, criticism will bounce right off you, pass right by, or get you right in the distal convoluted tubule, man. Okay, so knowing that I can get you right in the distal convoluted tubule, which is the worst, it's in the kidney, by the way, right next to the kidney, <laughs> back on track here. It makes absolutely perfect sense that criticism can make you, one, feel 
flattened and deflated when it's from a bully and it's something striking a nerve, or to make you feel grateful when it's from a mentor and you're seeking improvement and it's great and fabulous feedback. You and I, of course, play mentor and bully both to ourselves, right? This is why I'm focusing there on this episode, on the inner critic. If you learn to spar with the harshest critic of them all, then the rest are child's play. I contend and continue to contend that the benefits, the benefits, the beliefs that you're building around a person, place, or thing, in this case, taking a critical beating, and how you think about it, that's what determines how you feel. In so many words, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. All right. Criticism can be seen as useful, injurious, and many times it is both. Okay. And this depends on three salient factors. Salient is kind of like a fancy science word for noteworthy. All right. There's the activating event, the beliefs you have about it, and the consequences and outcomes associated with those beliefs. All right. This is the ABC model or abracadabra for short. Okay, let's talk about the activating event, all right? The activating event is a critical observation stemming from yourself, others, and the environment. Then there's the beliefs and thought patterns about the activating event, what you think it means, your previous experiences, and the potential implications of both of those added together. And then finally, there's consequences and outcomes, the way you feel based off of the way you think, how you act based off the way you feel, and the feedback loop you're reinforcing from those actions and feelings. In other words, what you end up teaching yourself with the combination of events, interpretations, feelings, and actions. Okay. This is conveniently laid out, if I may say so myself, and that's because this format is seen in various forms across disciplines, cultures, and histories. Look familiar? Between stimulus and response, there is a space, and between that space, we can inject logic and reason, thereby influencing the outcome, all right? So how and why do these things get so inconvenient and annoying? Because in the real world, unless people are coached, they skip right over part B, right over part B. That space to inject logic and reason is just too darn small unless you're taught how to give yourself some dang breathing room. You go right from A to C, from activating event right to outcome. There is a stimulus and there is a response and between is too small of a space to inject logic. <laughs> In so many words, this means people act as if things happen to them. He called me a dummy head and now I'm angry. Screw that guy. The boss said my presentation was crappy. I'm embarrassed and maybe a little scared. She called me fat and now I'm ashamed and hurt. Unless you're coached properly, you either accept or reject criticisms at face value. The critical thinking part gets neglected a bit, which I think is a tad ironic. <laughs> okay. In other words, it feels like things happen to you and they make you feel that way. When you take this approach, you're literally giving the power away that you have over how you feel and subsequently your power to change it. Okay, so I, I have tons of research and techniques and materials and stuff on this. Uh, at the last second, though, I, I think I'm deciding to forego a lot of that stuff. Uh, although they are useful, I just realized there's something that is much greater uh, use to you right now. So we're going to go right there. I hope that's okay with you. And you have my permission to double dip the chip here. Okay, I'll allow it. Uh, because in some cases, 
The best defense is a good offense, all right? And third person Dr. Cashy thinks this is one of those situations. In this instance, learning how to criticize constructively gives you the opportunity to take criticism constructively. And this is especially the case with the inner critic. So let Dr. Cashy be clear here. Silencing or suppressing the inner critic is a horrible idea. Ironic process theory dictates it's near impossible to anyway. After all, the more you obsess about your inner critic, the louder it gets, all right? Therefore, third person Dr. Cashy posits that criticizing yourself is 100% A-OK. -okay. It's even healthy. After all, the only way to mastery is through gathering data, getting feedback on that data, critical thoughts, and then dynamically adjusting what you do as a result of that critique. Hmm. Okay, the toxicity of the criticism from yourself or others compounds from two separate but additive components. Okay, one, you think it's valid, even a tiny bit. And two, you interpret it as toxic. Okay, a lot of criticism, even if it is gratuitously insulting, has some tinge of truth. A lot of it does, even if it's a tiny bit, it's some tinge of truth. You can interpret it as toxic, you can interpret it as valid, and you can interpret it as both, okay? If you interpret criticism as toxic and true, well, shoot, then it blasts you right in the rostral interstitial nucleus of the medial longitudinal fasciculus and knocks you right on your butt. Say that five times fast. <laughs> I had to practice, <laughs> okay? So let us devise a way to criticize constructively together. This way, when you identify in real time that you're criticizing yourself, criticizing somebody else, or taking criticism from others, you can, as fate would have it, be critical of the criticism. A-holes will always be a-holes, okay? So this tool also acts as a BS detector, shrugging off what is extra and earning an opportunity to get better and grow. Be aware that knowing how to criticize well is the key to giving yourself amazing feedback and stifle the people that criticize you, even if they mean well. So there are six, six major steps, okay, to providing fabulous feedback, right? For the sake of time, I will list them frankly, okay? Because you can write entire books on this stuff. I think I might. <laughs> okay, make sure we're in frame here. Here are these six steps to providing fabulous feedback, all right? Step number one, provide feedback on thoughts and behaviors instead of people. Step number two, your feedback should be specific, clear, and based on facts. Hmm, there. Step number three, keep all feedback in the present and in the context of how it improves the future. Step number four, clarify any confusion and solicit for potential roadblocks to change. Okay, what would get in the way? Step number five, seek mutual understanding rather than mutual agreement, <laughs> understanding over agreement. And step number six, act matter-of-factly, because after all, this is a matter of facts. Woo, yeah, all right, that's it. It's good stuff. I like it, some of my favorite, <laughs> okay? If somebody constantly criticizes you, if they mean well or not, go through those steps. You might get something useful out of it. You might also stifle them because it is possibly baseless or illogical, all right? If you're criticizing yourself and you're doing more harm than good, go through those steps. You will get something out of it, all right? Critical feedback to yourself or others is solely for the purpose of improving future outcomes. That is it. 
that is it. <laughs> the rest is quite literally nonsense. So in conclusion, okay, Dr. Cash is going to paraphrase some epic stoicism from our boy Mark back here. All right. All right. From Mark behind us, specifically Marcus Aurelius Meditations 6.21. Here's the actual quote, or uh, at least how, how I think authors have translated it. And it is, if somebody or if someone can prove me wrong and show me my mistake in any thought or action, I shall gladly change. I seek truth, which never harmed anyone. The harm is to persist in one's own self-deception and ignorance. It is brazen. It is true. And if you neglect to follow Dr. Cashy's six steps of fabulous feedback, your interpretation may prompt you to feel like poo. So to close this out, if you're interested in how to give and receive fabulous feedback, improving the environment and yourself, then shoot Dr. Cashy a message and leave a comment. He has your back. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you. And see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out. <laughs>